Welcome to the Everyday Ultra Podcast, a show designed to help you level up your training, crush your races, and ultimately become a better endurance athlete every single day. Whether you're an endurance athlete as a hobby or someone who wants to be the best in the sport, this is the show for you. I'm your host, Joe Corsion, and thank you so much for listening. Now, let's get into it. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Everyday Ultra Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Corsione, and I'm super excited for you to dive into this episode. Before we get into the episode, I want to address something because I get a ton of questions asking me what are the best training plans to follow or suggestions on having a coach, right? Um, and this is something that has come up a lot, especially um, you know after my 10th place male finish at Havelina 100, um, given that I've only you know been running for about four years. A lot of people have been asking like, hey, like, what do you suggest for training plans or a coach? Um, my answer always comes from what's worse best for me as well as others who I've chatted with in the industry. And so I'm sharing my perspective from that regards. And for me, um, I've been working with Zach Bitter for almost a year now. And he's helped me go from, again, starting on ultra running just a few years ago to placing top 10 at one of the most competitive 100 milers in the world at Havelina 100. Um, plus, Zach has held world records for fast. It's a hundred mile time and most miles completed in 12 hours. So when it comes to suggestions, I always recommend Zach as he is one of the best of the best. My suggestion, if you are looking for a training plan or working with a coach is to check out Zach Bitter's pre-made training plans or his personalized training plans, which comes with personalized coaching for your own goals. Whether you just want to finish your next ultra, hit a PR or reach the podium, Zach has made pre-made training plans based on specific races distances and your own running experience that will give you the day-by-day workouts and running regimen you need to hit your goals. And if you want more personalized plans, he offers those as well with email support and the option to add on consultation calls with him if you want to have more personalized support. So to check out Zach's coaching, feel free to head out to the URL um, in my uh, in the show notes there, um, or if you want to just type it in, it's zachbitter.com slash coaching, um, or you can go again to the link in the bio to check that out. Again, he's got pre-made plans, which are amazing for all different types of distances and experience levels, um, and he also has personalized one-on-one coaching as well. Um, I highly recommend Zach's coaching for your next ultra and uh, definitely work with him as he's helped me a ton and I know he can help you a ton as well. So I just wanted to address that here because I know I've been getting a ton of questions um, outside of Havelina 100 on, um, you know, recommendations for um, running plans or coaches and uh, Zach is my go-to man for that. So definitely show Zach some love if you're looking for a coach or a training plan and uh, visit that link in the bio. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Everyday Ultra Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Corsione, and I'm super stoked to chat with today's guest on the show. Um, I knew of today's guest like for a while before, but when I ran Havelina 100 uh, a few months ago in October, um, our guest today ran the 100K, and she not only ran the 100K, but she broke the course record, a Courtney DeWalter record, and left it all out on the line, running one of the most speediest times, not just on that course, but 100Ks for the year. And and it was, I was so impressed by just her performance and, um, I didn't get to see her too much after the race, but I was hearing like that, you know, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at her guests right now that you were just absolutely spent out there. You gave it all. And I love chatting with runners who have that mindset of just going all out, going for it and really going out and, uh, you know, giving their best performance out there. Um, I mean, not only that has she, uh, broken the course record at the Havelina hundred K for females. Um, but she also has had tons of great results over the years as uh, a runner in the trail world. Fourth at Havelina 100, 100 miler in 2021. First at the uh, Captain Carl's Muleshoe Bend 60K. First place at the Dam Yeti 50K, first place at Rocky Raccoon 100K, first place at Bandera 50K in 2021, and most recently the 50K in second place at Bandera just last month. And most recently, she'll be towing the line at Black Canyon this weekend in the 100K which is going to be super cool because uh, if you're familiar with the documentary Fine Line, uh, she was in there as well. And 
despite the the knee issues, which I'm sure we're talking about, you still finished the race. You still finished it 17th place, which is like amazing to do. I think even with the knee like that. So I'm stoked to see you in the air. But anyways, and enough of the hype, enough of the intro. I'd love to introduce Lottie Brinks to the Everyday Ultra Podcast. Lottie, thanks so much for coming on. Wow, what an intro. I feel very special right now. Thank you. <laughs> You're so welcome. No, you you are like definitely, I think, one of the most interesting runners in the space right now. Definitely one of the most talented. So I'm stoked to have you on. Um, in full transparency, too, we recorded a Black Canyon episode the other day. I made our picks and you made it into my top list. So I'm also very excited to dive into this as well. Um but uh, yeah, no, I'm stoked to see what you can do at Black Canyon. I'm sure we'll dive into that. We'll also dive into like a location change that you have coming up as well, which is super cool. But before we dive into all of those uh, nitty gritty details of the now, take us back to, you know, the the earlier days of Lottie's running career and how you kind of got into this world of ultra running. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, the early days. Uh, when did I start running? I don't even remember. Sometime in high school, I think. Um, I, I was doing, I was the, literally the only person who ran on our track team in high school. Like everyone was doing like field stuff. I was the only runner. Um, no one wanted to run. They all thought it was boring and lame, but (laughs) I loved it. So I ran like a year or so in high school, like not, and it's not like a high school sport and I'm from Germany. It's not a high school sport in Germany. It's like a club sport, basically. So you kind of have to like manage it all yourself. It's not like you just go there after school. But I did that for a year and I had some early success in like really short stuff. Like it sounds crazy now, but I ran the 800 and the 1500 and the 3K, I think. And I'm actually made it to German nationals in my senior year of high school and there was this I forget the name but there was this organization that connects young athletes to college coaches in the United States Mm. and I ended up talking to them and we chatted it up and they were like you should totally like go study in the United States and get a scholarship and talk to some coaches and uh, lo and behold I was like well I don't have any plans after high school like what like I guess I can like I wanted to take a year off and travel anyway I was like, this is a great opportunity. It's paid for. I didn't have any money in high school. I was like, cool, let's do it. And actually, um, Pat Reagan, I don't know if you know him, but he, mm-hmm. he runs for Hoka. Awesome friend. Love him. He was one of the coaches who reached out to me back in uh, 2013 or something and when I graduated. And he was like, you should come run for SCAD because he was the head coach at the Savannah College of Art and Design at the time. Oh. So then I just did it. I just packed my bags at like a duffel and went to the airport and flew over to Savannah, Georgia and started running um, for SCAD. And that's how it all started. And Pat ended up doing all these at the time I thought it was crazy like ultra distance races like he did like I don't know like 100ks and he did a bunch of marathons and I was always inspired because I always thought whoa 10 miles is so long like I'm never gonna run more than 10 miles and yeah I think the main starting point where I thought about it was when he raced the ultra Vasan in Sweden and Mm -hmm. I was in Germany at the time because I was on like break in college and I came to watch him race and I was like dang this is cool this is on trails and beautiful nature and scenery and everyone is so excited and stoked and the community is amazing so that was what kind of put the bug in my head is that a saying that's a saying right yeah oh yeah (laughs) I was like (laughs) I'm saying something totally weird um (laughs) yeah that was the first time I learned about like long long distance running and then but it didn't didn't do anything about it I just finished college and had actually a pretty tough time running in college I got a bunch of stress fractures it was a hard time for me but after I after college I probably took two years off I think two three four even (laughs) like I, I took quite a while off of running And then I 
just randomly one day decided I want to see how many laps I can run around the town lake in Austin and ended up doing a 50k and Pat saw it on my straw and he was like hey you know I remember when when I coached you and remember when you thought it was crazy that I run 100k you should do it and that's how it started and I ran my first 50 my first actual 50k race the Bandera 50k in 2021 Wow. Okay. So I didn't know that was like your foray. Like I knew that, you know, you ran in high school and I knew you ran in college. I knew you were involved with PAC because I know you two are close and everything like that, but I didn't know you took a break and then just on a whim, just uh, like hit a 50 K just out of nowhere. Was that, I want to like learn more about it. Is that what, were you just saying, I'm just going to run for as far as I can? Like, was that your intention? Like, tell us a little bit, like what kind of led to that? Cause that's, uh, that's so interesting. It was, that was actually like the day after Havelina in 2020. Um, my pet and my friend Kaylee Demersion ran it and we were pretty close and Pat paced her. So I, that was like the first, like besides ultra loss. And that was the first race where I was like, Oh, I'm going to like look at this tracker and see how she's doing. And the next day, like that kind of triggered it. I was like, if she can run a hundred miles, I want to see how far I can run. And that's like the next day I went out on that 50 K run around the lake. Oh my gosh. That is so awesome. It's so cool to just see like, Oh, like if if they can do it, like, so can I, and to go from that journey, like you mentioned before in the beginning, when you were mentioning, Oh, 10 miles is so long. And then you show yourself, it's like, Hey, you can run a 50 K. Like, did that kind of unlock that possibility for like, that you could do it? Like, how did it feel maybe too, like running like that first, like 50 K. Cause like you mentioned that you did Bandera and if in 2020, so it was probably like a year out from like that next 50 K, which is like a pretty like decent jump into it. So like what, how did that first 50 K kind of feel? And like, did it feel good or would love to hear more about that? I, it felt, I mean, it felt okay. I guess I didn't know anything about fueling or pacing or I, I I've never even ran a marathon to this day I've never ran an actual time marathon so oh, wow I had no idea really what I was doing but it didn't matter I just wanted to see how far I could go and it's not it wasn't like anything crazy fast it was just a jog around the lake so yeah I mean it I liked it that's why I continued doing it and that was yeah, that was in November of 2020. And then right after that, Pat reached out to me and was like, we should, we should start working together. We should, like, I'm going to teach you how to do this. And then at Bandera, two months later, November, December, January, that's when, when I actually like raced my first race. And I was like actually fueling and like practicing like hydration and doing all all the things that you're supposed to do so bandera actually felt a lot better than my 50k like exploration run around the lake wow and i know i spoiled it in your intro but you ended up winning that race too and coming second overall too like second overall first female on your first 50k race like what do you like what do you think attributed to such quick success like in that ultra space right because you never raced like a marathon before like was like was it more like a combination of like working with pad and maybe some like fitness in the past was it mindset tell us a little bit like what you think like led to your early success in that race I think a lot of my early success comes from like an ignorance is bliss um uh, kind of philosophy because I I mean everyone says that I didn't know what I was doing excuse me I didn't know what I was doing I was just running And I didn't think about how many miles I had left. I didn't think about any sort of competition. I just ran and that just worked out great for me. For Bandera, for the 50K in 2021, I think I was also, I guess, somewhat lucky because I'm a pretty gritty runner. Like I I can go through some tough conditions. Hmm. And Bandera in 2021 was rough like it was muddy it snowed like it was knee deep mud on that Sunday 50k and a lot of people got hypothermia a lot of people dropped so that was working for me (laughs) but 
yeah, I would say the my early success in both Bandera and then Rocky Raccoon right after was a lot of ignorance is bliss. Because <laughs> I, I just it. didn't think about it. I just I just ran. I think that's so awesome because it can be so easy, like with all the variables that people have to manage in ultra to kind of get like in our own heads, right? Like we we think about like our splits and our pacing and then our legs are sore. And then it's like, oh, did I eat? Did I drink? But like, if you just kind of just say, hey, I'm just going in this to have fun. And like you said, in your words, I love the way you put it. You're like, you just ran like that. Like in the end of the day, breaking it down that simple has shown like how you have the success. And like you mentioned too, going into Rocky Raccoon, came into first and that was uh about like a month-ish after Bandera 2 and you came first overall in that too which is amazing yeah it all yeah it all happened really fast it's <laughs> it's always I always try to remind myself of that like that I it's just running like mm. no one really cares how like everyone is impressed but when I tell people at work that I ran 100k they're like, oh, how long did that take you? And I say, well, like eight and a half hours. And they're like, oh, that's such a long time. Like you're so slow because it's so long. And I'm like, no, it's actually pretty fast. Believe me. <laughs> but it's, yeah, I just have to re- remind myself a lot that it is just running. It doesn't, like everything else doesn't really matter. It's just helps to kind of take the pressure off of it and just do what you like to do, especially if you like, let's see, I, I ran Pandera in January, then I did Rocky in February. Mm-hmm. And then I, I got invited to the Solomon training or Solomon running Academy thing. And shortly thereafter, they, they sent, they signed me. So, and that definitely put some pressure on my back. Mm. So for a while, I was just really like worried about performing right because mm. I was like oh wow now I'm a sponsored athlete I really have to do well in every single race I totally line at and that's just not a really helpful mindset I like every time that thought kind of crept into my head I was like I'm just running I just have to remind myself that this is just running I'm just putting one foot in front of the other and that's all there is to it mm. Yeah. And I, and I appreciate you being vulnerable and sharing that. Cause I can totally now obviously I'm not a sponsored runner, but I can imagine like there, there is like some sort of pressure on that. Cause like now it's like, Oh, like I have, uh, I've signed a contract. Like they expect me to do one thing. So I totally get that. And I love how you're kind of, you recognize that. And you said, Hey, like I got in this sport because I can enjoy it. And you wanted to like return back to that. So like, how do you like help to, to keep your mind onto that? Cause you know, seeing how you've been racing recently, it sounds like you do like genuinely like still embrace that love for running and everything. So like in the moments that you like feel those pressure, like maybe if it's during a race leading up to a race, anything like that, how do you kind of like curb that down a little bit so that you can like fully enjoy that running and, and really like, you know, not only just perform better, but ultimately enjoy it so much more. Yeah, I try I honestly, I, I think what helps me the most is to build community. And because mm. I think it's a lot of self-imposed pressure. It's not like Solomon is not putting any pressure on right. me. They are excited, whatever I do. They are so supportive. And I, I love running with them for them. I think it's more so pressure among competition mm. and thinking that I have to be faster than like, other people because I am sponsored and because I am this quote-unquote professional runner which I hate that term I'm not really a professional runner I have a job um but I think what helps me a lot is to just reach out to the people who are going to run the race with you and Mm -hmm. build community I think that's just super important because everyone who races with you against you they're all human they're all super friendly people they all love doing the same thing that you love doing and that just takes the pressure away from me like I'm just if I reach out to them if I build a relationship with them you're just building community and at the end of the day you just run with your friends and that's just the ultimate goal like that way it's not a race where you have to like beat everyone and be faster than everyone and you know, like I would like sprint towards the finish and whatnot. And that's all good. Like I love competition, 
but I also, I love the community behind it more. Mm, I love that notion of being able to like befriend the people you're racing with, right? Because we can easily see the people who we're going and towing up the line against as like our competitors or like someone we have to beat, like in your words. But I agree. I think it's just so much more fun if it's like, hey, I'm I'm racing with you here. Like it's like I'm not racing against you. And like it truly feels that way. Like when you line up on the start line next to someone who you're like, oh, I've I've met them before. Like, you know, I know them. Like it just feels like this weight kind of gets off your shoulders, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm genuinely so excited to run with some of my friends on Saturday. Like (laughs) I could like I would be so stoked if they do well and run their best race. Like I want them to. It's I know that at the end, end of the day it's a competition. But I'm excited to see them. I'm excited to run with them. I'm excited to compete with them. It's going to be great. And that's how I like to approach every race because otherwise it's just easy to kind of get siloed and mm. like get trapped in your own head. And it's, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And- Yeah, it makes so much sense. It's so powerful. I saw like a quote on Twitter the other day. I forgot who it was. And if you're listening to this, I'm sorry if it was you. But uh, it was like a quote, like, where it was like, almost like a, like, it's like when you, and I'm going to butcher this totally, but it was something along the lines of like, when you wish your competition to like do well, like you end up doing even better than you would if you were to wish like ill will upon them. And I was like, dang, that's actually so, so powerful. And hearing you say that, it sounds like, similar mindset of what you bring on your race. Like you want people to do well, you want to have fun because I think like having that positive energy almost like gives you a more positive view towards your running and allows you to enjoy it more, which in turn lets you to go as opposed if you just want to crush everybody, it's like this bad energy, bad juju, whatever you want to call it, that may kind of like bring you down a little bit. Right. And for some people it works. Like I totally respect and admire the like fierce competitors who like, throw punches and I like I don't know I don't know how to describe it but I totally admire that too it's just not me yeah and I think and I I love that you mentioned like it's just not me like because I think it's good to like find like the strategy that's good for you and it sounds like you found one which is just Mm -hmm. so awesome by evidence by your results um the other thing that I do know you for and you mentioned even this before is like you know how to handle like tough conditions right you mentioned that Bandera, right? Muddy, wet, people were getting cold. Um, even like at Javelina this year, like, I mean, Javelina every year, you've ran it twice, hot, like very exposed, a yeah. lot of carnage, but you seem to lean into it. Like you mentioned before, you do well in those kind of conditions. Where where do you think that comes from? And like, how do you how do you weather those obstacles? Because even too in, in Black Canyon last year, like when you like were battling the, the dislocated knee and you still finished, that takes like so much like grit and so much like uh, will. So, so I, I would love to hear, where do you think that like resilience kind of comes from and how do you like mentally manage those obstacles when they come your way in the middle of a race? Yeah, I, I think it runs in my family. We're all very stubborn. <laughs> We don't give up easily, but yeah, we always try to to do our best. Like I love getting everything out of me. At Havelina, I was spent in the at the end, but I I love leaning into condition into those conditions, and I love like really trying to do my best and like empty the ta- tank. I guess no matter if it's like sunny and hot or cold and rainy or muddy or whatnot. It just adds to the experience and everyone else is dealing with the same stuff too. It's not just, Mm. not not just you. Right. Yeah. That's such a good point. Like to think that everybody else is dealing with it. Like, cause we can seem like it's only happened to us. Cause like we can only feel what we're feeling. Right. But then we're like, wait, everyone's hot. Everyone's probably sweating. Everyone's dealing with cold and muddy (laughs) stuff. If we're talking Bandera, like it almost makes it, a lot easier to manage when you realize like you're not the only one, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Totally. And I'm curious. So at, at Black Canyon last year, and I'd love to talk about going into Black Canyon this year, right? Like when you knew something was kind of off with your knee, like in, it's kind of documented in, in fine line uh, when you were kind of going through it, like it seems like the route that a lot of people would take in that kind of scenario would be to like just DNF, call it a day and just get it out there. But you decided to to finish it and go through with that. 
Um, was that like a conscious decision that you made or was it more like, like, tell us a little bit more about like what brought you to finish that race as opposed to just calling it quits once your knee started giving you trouble. Yeah. So I want to, first of all, like say that I'm definitely not against DNFs or anything. I have DNFed two races already. I think two, like one, I had COVID during the race, so it wasn't great. The other one was UTMB with Rapto. So I think there are definitely cases where a DNF is the good choice and the smart choice. Mm -hmm. Last year at Black Canyon, I, so what happened is that I had a really good race. Like I loved it. I had the time of my life. It was great. I ran with really cool women that I look up to and I admire and was setting my myself up for success um, in the second half. But right before um, Black Canyon City, I like took one of those like winding switchbacks mm. fast, I guess, and tripped and dislocated my kneecap. And I honestly, I, I thought it didn't, it wasn't completely dislocated when it's, when it's fully dislocated, it's completely, your leg is locked up and you, you can't walk. Mm. That would have happened. I definitely would have DNF'd. However, mine was partially dislocated. So you could still do that like knee movement, I guess. Um, It just hurts. And it wasn't great. It was really painful. And I was whining a lot to my poor pacers who had to walk with me for a really long time. Um, But I think at first, because I wasn't in a really good position at Black Canyon City, I wanted to see if I can still do it and see Mm -hmm. if other people might be having a hard time. And if, if somehow I can turn this around, it became pretty obvious, probably around mile five that it wasn't like I wasn't gonna have a good day like I was just gonna slog this to the finish and like try to finish and I wasn't really entirely sure if it was gonna happen but mm-hmm. at that point I already knew I, I'm coming back to this race I love this race I'm coming back and I was like if I'm already here I might as well see the entire course. <laughs> so that was part of the reason why I wanted to make it to the finish. And the other reason is that I had two paces last year and two good friends, Elisa and Austin. And Austin started pacing me at the Table Mesa aid at 51 miles. And that was like the aid where I was like, huh, maybe I should call it quits. But he came out, like he <laughs> came out to Table Mesa to come pace me. And I was like, well, I better get out of here and we just make it to the finish because you didn't come here for no reason. I didn't tell him that, but that's what I was thinking. And I just wanted to finish. It's a beautiful race, beautiful course. And I wanted to see its entirety. That's so awesome. It's so cool. And Austin is a great guy too. And you and I were going back and forth offline about it. He is such an awesome dude. Uh, like, so you had a great pacer on there for sure. And it's, it's just like, first of all, it speaks to how kind you are to, to be thinking in the moment with like a partially dislocated knee to be like, Oh man, he drove out here. We gotta, we gotta give him his time's worth and let's, uh, let's get it out and rolling on there. But I love that aspect of wanting to see the whole course and even just thinking ahead already in that moment to be like, okay, maybe this year didn't go, but I'm going to come back next year, which obviously brings you back into black Canyon this Saturday. Uh, Mm -hmm. right now we're recording this on Monday. So wow. Six days away, five days away, which is like crazy to say, um, what, what is kind of like your, your mindset going into this race, right? Obviously like last year with with the whole knee situation didn't go out, how does it want? But like, maybe how does your mindset kind of approach or is it, is it differently than what you have going into this year relative to going into the race last year? I think this year I'm a lot more calm about it. Mm. Um, I think I don't know. I'm trying to last year was there was so much hype and there's a lot of hype this year. And I I mean, that's part of what I love about Black Canyon. It draws such a competitive field and it's there's just a lot of like media going around it. And I love that. But last year was the first time Mm -hmm. I was really considered one of the favorites and that what we were talking about earlier that I like because of that I put more pressure on myself Mm. and not that that didn't backfire that had nothing to do with my knee issue the knee issue was just a 
silly, like, I guess a step too fast around a switchback so that it didn't stem from the pressure. But still this year, I feel a lot more calm. I think it's just because I I have a couple more races under my belt Hmm. and I know the course. I feel very at home for some reason in Arizona. I love racing here and yeah, I'm just excited. I'm just excited to do it again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and that, I think that's a really, really good point to not get caught up in the hype and everything. And I know you even mentioned the same thing in Fine Line, how like there's so much media around it and everything. Yeah. And we're getting the same thing even this year for sure. Um, do do you try to intentionally like avoid like like listening into those like kind of like pre-race podcasts and kind of like do you, <laughs> you intentionally just, I don't mean to put you on the spot here. I'm just curious. <laughs> Well, it's hard. I, I'm definitely guilty of like looking at the start list Mm -hmm. over and over again. I tried to not do that in the past two weeks or so, but I definitely did it in a couple of weeks ago. And I was like, oh my God, like actually like 25, both on the men's men's and the women's side, like 25 people on each side who could win. Like I would not be surprised if any of these people win and I tried to I tried to stop looking at it in the past two weeks and same with with all the interviews but it's hard especially on the you know I had to pass how much like 16 hours of driving from Austin to get (laughs) so I definitely listened to one or two you got to kill the time somehow. I know. Right? So I was like, might as well. I mean, I try not to, but come on. It's a good excuse to to lean into it a little bit. But I like how, like, even if you go out and do it, like, you you make the conscious effort to not put the pressure on yourself. And I love that that's, like, a common kind of element that you're having along the way, right? Because even if someone's, like, listening and uh, it can be easy to fall into the pressure of, you know, whether it is, you know, the hype or even just, like, some friends, like, watching in the race, like, whatever that might be, like, the hype can always be there. But I love how you're taking that conscious approach to not let it uh kind of come after you in there or anything like that which is which is super cool yeah I like to I like to see it in a positive way like I like the hype I think it's cool I think it shows how much the sport is growing how much people care about the sport I love that they are fans of the sport and that people actually are interested in it it's just sometimes it doesn't serve me well the week of the race but mm-hmm. I do also like it. So I don't know. It's hard to say it has, it has positives and negatives, I guess. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. I, I totally agree with you. I think it's like a, a good balance. Like, cause there's a good way to like, enjoy it, but then there's like, also you don't want to like, in like consume yourself with it so much that it like dictates how you like, like all your results on that race to be like, Oh, they predicted me X, Y, and Z. Like I have to do it. And it's like, no, there it's just an opinion. Like we're going to go out and race how we race and it's not indicative and just kind of having that good mindset around it. So, uh, I, I totally, totally agree with that perspective for sure. Um, one thing like kind of switching gears, but in the same vein of black Canyon, I mean, you're, you're kind of known as a, a very fast runner and like, I'm always just so impressed by like, like, uh, your Strava and like how, like you say easy run. And then I look at the pace and I'm like, oh my gosh, like that is that, like, I would be snapping the tendons in my legs, like going at an easy uh, pace like that. But I'm, I'm curious, like when you're in these kind of races, do you tend to kind of just go totally just balls to the wall, like all out kind of thing? Do you tend to like to pace it a little bit more conservatively, I guess? And and if you don't want to give away, I guess your strategy for this week, and that's totally cool. But just in general, I'm, I'm curious because you're known as a very fast runner and at a course that can be, you know, so like kind of fast, especially in the beginning. Um, How do you kind of approach maybe just pacing in general in kind of a race? Yeah. So I, it always depends on the race. Mm-hmm. Totally. Um, at Javelina, for example, I took the first lap pretty easy and mm-hmm. then started picking it up. And really like the last lap, when I knew that the course record was inside, I 
hammered the last 10 miles down from Jackass, which is why I stumbled into the finish because I ran really hard in the end. For Black Canyon, it's a little different mm. because you don't you don't want to go out too fast, but you want to be somewhere in the mix. Mm. Right? I I'm not gonna be leading the race like in the first 20 miles. That's not gonna happen. But I do want to make sure that I have somewhat a contact to the lead pack because that just gives me confidence. And it's not about, it's not necessarily that much about pacing. It's more so about confidence because if I, if I go out very, very conservatively, my mindset kind of shifts to, oh no, I have to catch up. I'm so far behind Mm. and that's not helping me personally. So the way I like to approach it is I run in the way that feels good to me, like at my like good perceived effort where I feel like I'm, I'm racing, but I'm not going all out in the mm. beginning. Um, but at the same time, what I do that while I still realize that there are people in front of me that I have to keep close if I want to race in the end. So mm. As Scott Treya actually taught me that in my interview about Black Canyon. He said the three C's, and I love that. It was um, comfortable, confident, compete. So first 20 miles, you stay comfortable. Second 20 miles, you gain confidence. And the last third, you compete. And I really like that, except that like the confidence and the comfortable part for me is kind of intertwined. Mm, so you build that confidence like in those early miles as well. And and given that you're a fast runner and it is that kind of like downhole kind of like buttery thing, like that's a good place for you, especially in your strengths to really gain that confidence. Yeah. Like I want to, I want to come into Bumblebee or like Black Canyon City, even like thinking, oh, I'm running a really strong race. Like I'm really excited with like how it's going. Like I don't necessarily look at pace. It's mostly just mm. an effort, but I I want to feel good about my effort. I want to look back after the race at my Strava and be like, oh, cool. I ran pretty fast splits here. And like, I'm a huge Strava nerd. Not I don't look at my watch during races, but after I like to go back and be like, oh, cool. Look at that split. And this was a really fast section. So yeah, I definitely want to feel confident coming into like the halfway point into black canyon city and then really start competing in the back half that's so interesting too how you're not looking at your watch throughout and just going purely on feel so like no splits throughout you just kind of just go on feel how you're feeling assessing the competition so it's more just kind of very intuitive as opposed to like taking like I, I like to call it like death by watch face sometimes because I feel like sometimes we can like see a slow split and be like, oh God, like I stink or like something like that. Yeah. Right. So like you just go completely intuitive basically. What I, I wear my watch, that's for mm-hmm. sure. I every now and then I glance at it to see where I'm at in distance. But what I do, which I've always like ever since I started running long distance, I've been doing it that way is to disable the splits so it doesn't show you the actual mile splits and have your ever have your pace be your average pace instead of your like per mile pace because that way it's a more holistic it shows you a more holistic picture of your entire run so far because it really doesn't matter if you run like I don't know a 10 minute mile and then a six minute mile it's still like an eight minute mile right mm-hmm. like average which that's at the end of the day your average pace is what matters not any specific mile split yeah 100 percent. i'm pretty sure uh, pat does that too right like i think uh yeah. I, I think i've heard him say that too so it's not it's not, i mean you can tell you two are friends and everything like that uh which is super cool and i know you, you work closely with him so i'd love to, to touch on that for a second i guess like you know working with him i guess like what's been like a one of the most important things that you've maybe either learned just kind of working with him and just, you know, being a part of his world and everything. Cause I know he's been like a big kind of part of your running background or anything, but like what's something that's just, you know, I'm, I'm sure the lessons are abound, but maybe like a few really, really impactful things. Cause I mean, you know, Pat, I mean, we've had him on the show too. He's, he's just so 
um, dialed when it comes to training and it's something I admire. So I'm curious to hear like, what's a few big lessons you've learned from him that's been super impactful for you. Uh, he just knows me really well. Like mm. he knows how, like what I need to do to be able to perform at my best. And he's, he's really good at giving pep talks. <laughs> like I, if anyone ever needs a pep talk, talk to Pat, but like, it gets more specific. He's basically taught me everything I know about nutrition. Mm. He taught me everything I know about topical cooling. He's a big topical cooling guy um, for those hot races. Um, yeah. And a lot of like perceived exertion sort of stuff, like making sure, because with trails, it's not like you run on roads and you can go by, by splits and mm. whatnot and pace and all that. It's all about how it feels at the end of the day. And he's been pretty helpful with that too. Because I, I mean, coming from a, I guess, track background, it's, I mean, it's, I wasn't even that good of a track runner, but like when I ran in college, it, it was all about how fast you can run in a circle. Right. And it's all about splits and laps on the track. Mm. So that took, for, that took a second for me to kind of move away from that. And he helped with that. Mm -hmm. That's so awesome. It's, and you know, a guy who also has a lot of like good experience in the desert, you can see how, like, I mean, to, to take a lot of those strategies and go in some of the races that you are like a javelina, both the hundred K and hundred miler and black Canyon. I mean, it's, it's so cool to see, you know, you're, you're working with him to have that on there. And I mean, you've been able to execute these races just masterfully, uh, over, over the last few years of your career. So it's so cool to see that in regards to, um, also taking another switch and speaking about switches too, I know you recently posted on Instagram that you're moving to somewhere else. So uh, a lot of listeners probably know you as a Austin local for sure, but uh, that's kind of changing up a little bit. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about the change up and where you're headed to next. Cause uh, I'm always curious to see like where, you know, athletes are going out and training and I love the place you're particularly going to. I'm not going to spoil it for the audience. So, so tell us a little bit more about your new adventures ahead. Yeah, we packed up all of our things last week and put it in our cars and uh, we are headed to Boise, Idaho. And we're just stopping by in Arizona for a quick little race. Um, but yeah, we we lived in Austin for five years and we really thought for a while that we were going to stay in Austin forever. We were going to build a house and do the whole thing. But in the midst of those five years, I discovered trail running and I realized that I want to move back to the, uh, to the mountains, back to some elevation changes, back to the snow. And yeah, that's how we ended up deciding that we want to go somewhere else. That's so awesome. And, and Lottie and I were talking before the podcast, like, people who are unfamiliar with Idaho, it's not just like potatoes and like farm <laughs> and everything. Like there are like legit beautiful mountains with great vert and great trails out there. So it's a cool place. Um, I'm curious, right? Because I know you threw your hat in the ring at UTMB, like, you know, in the past before, um, a lot of your races tend to be a little bit more of like the speedier kind. Do you see now that this change in location that you're maybe pivoting more towards like kind of like the mountainous races, like UTMB or stuff, or kind of keeping it a little bit more? I don't want to jump the gun because I know we got a race to race on Saturday, but just curious to see like maybe if like the change and location has almost like a more um impact on how you kind of see your future race schedules or what you want to like try out or anything like that because i think it's like an interesting change up and seeing how if there's any inkling of that yeah for sure i'm for sure interested in some more mountain races mm. um i do love the runnable stuff i that's part of why i love black canyon that's why i love Havelina. I'm signed up for Gorge Waterfalls, which I'm super excited oh, for, awesome. which I hear is also very runnable. I I do love those fast races, but I also, now that I have access to mountains, I do want to venture into the more mountainous races. And it's, I think the thing with, I, I did run UTMB in August mm -hmm. and the training for UTMB was really just not that fun in Austin like it was a lot of really like sweaty miles on the treadmill just like going at like a 
like 10 to 15 percent grade for hours and hours and hours lots of like ups we have like this little local hill in in austin which is like a quarter of a mile long <laughs> so i would just go up and down and up and down and i would try and practice with my poles and i just looked so silly with my weight vest and my poles <laughs> but i definitely once i have some better training grounds for the more birdie races i definitely want to like throw my head in the ring and see how I do once I get like once I really discover my climbing legs. Mm. Does it does it more like draw you to like the like kind of like novelty of it? Like given that like you haven't like been to the race anymore, or you just like like the act of like climbing more? Like I guess like it like I'm I'm curious to see because I always love listening to like why people like certain races for sure. And so like for you, is it more? just something new and just kind of switching things up or like, do you genuinely like say like, this is like what I want to be like, or this is like where my heart is. You know what I mean? I, I wouldn't single either one out. Like I, I like the fast races, like I said, but Mm -hmm. what appeals to me on the mountainous races is just the act of climbing a mountain and making Mm -hmm. it to the top, like getting to the peak of a mountain is just such a, it's just an amazing feeling. Like I, I grew up in the mountains. I grew up in the Alps and we would always go on like family hikes and would climb some peaks. And I love that, but I also love running fast. And like, you can, I mean, you, you said just looking at my Strava that I like running fast, you can see that. And it's just brings me joy, but it also brings me joy to climb up Mm -hmm. some technical trail and get on top of a mountain and see some beautiful views. So I don't think it's going to be either or it's going to be all of the above. Mm, I love that. And I think that's something our sport like needs more of like more people like you who are like not trying to like be locked into like a certain type of race. Cause I think it's easy to see certain athletes, right. And be like, Oh, they're an X runner or or they're a Y runner or or they're a mountain runner. And then like, you kind of put them into this box and it's, uh, I feel like with all the races and all the different types and even all the different enjoyment spectrums that we have, like why, why put yourself into one race, right? Like, and get more, um, you know, versatile in terms of like the different races. I think it just makes it a lot more fun to just kind of shake it up, you know? Yeah. And I mean, there's so many races, there's so many races in so many beautiful places. Like why? Like, I just want to do them all. Yeah. I, I totally feel you. <laughs> <laughs> and it's great too. Cause, cause I feel like, I mean, you, you already had so much success at such a young age, but you still have like such a, a, a bright long career ahead of you. So it's so cool to see you like have all these options and explore things like at the age that you are now. So it's, it's super cool to see that one thing I, I do want to ask you, cause I'm sure my listeners would love to know this. And it's also selfishly, I do want to know this as well, just a little bit, you know, given as we, as we talked about a few times before, and you, you can push a great pace on the trail if for someone who like wants to maybe, you know, get a little faster and, you know, I'm asking for a friend here, wink, wink, uh, <laughs> like what would be like your biggest tips for anyone who like wants to be able to, you know, push a faster pace at a lower intensity or anything like that? Or how have you been able to kind of do that over the years? Cause I think you've like, your training always looks so, so solid. And so, uh, curious for anyone who wants to know those kind of things, how, how have you been able to execute that in your own training? I think a big part of my training is strides. And mm-hmm. I know a lot of people have been talking about strides. We, there, I implement them at least twice a week into my training, just at the end of runs. And they're just really great for efficiency, running economy. After you already ran for a bit and you have tired legs, like trying to crank out some like fast, even like anywhere between like 20 and 40 seconds or so and do a couple of those and that's gonna help you almost immediately like you're gonna see pretty quick improvements just from doing strides I do also love doing like the like the real hard like workout days um but that's usually a little bit of a bigger beast um I think the like lowest hanging fruit for everyone to do is just implement some strides in your training 
Mm -hmm. I like that a ton. Like you mentioned that like the workouts can be a beast, especially for someone who maybe isn't like um, Mm -hmm. used to them. Right. Because you could maybe have some like injury risk if like someone's just like racking up the intervals right away. And I, I love that approach of like strides are just so easily accessible. Anyone can start putting them in. It's at the end of the workout. It gives you that like mental boost. Um, so it's super cool to see. So, um, you heard it here folks. If you want to get uh, fast, like Lottie, do your strides. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, well anyways, Lottie. So, I mean, obviously we're coming on to black Canyon in a few days and, you know, our listeners here, I'm sure they're going to want to follow along your journey, both before, during, and after the race. And, uh, I mean, I've, I've been a fan, so it's been so cool to follow your journey. So for anyone on here, before I ask my last question that I ask all my guests, um, for anyone who wants to follow along on your journey on social media, Strava, anything where, where can they best do so? Um, on Instagram, I'm at Lottie underscore Brinks. Strava, I think is just Lottie Brinks. I don't know. I think so. I think it's just Lottie Brinks on Strava. And that's, I think that's all the social media I'm on. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> limited. Yeah, I love it. Limited. You still have a presence, but but limited. I, I think that's the approach everyone needs to take in my personal opinion. So you're, you're doing it great. And for anyone listening, I'll put the uh, links in the show notes as well. So y'all can check it out. And uh, Lottie, it's been so great chatting with you. But before we end this uh, awesome conversation here, um, I have to ask you the question that I've asked everybody on this podcast. Um, I've asked Pat, I've asked uh, Nicole Bitter, who I know you've been friends with uh, in Austin as well. I've asked Austin as well. So uh, all of our, our friends have I've gotten this question. So it's coming to you as well. And that is what can our listeners do every single day to be a better endurance athlete? Um, can I have answers? Yes. Yes. You can have multiple <laughs> answers. <laughs> Answer Number one is what I was saying earlier, build community. It's like when I first got into sport, I was so intimidated by so many like runners because they're just so fast and so amazing and I looked up and I still look up to them so much but it's it's no it's not helpful to be intimidated Mm. so I I just think if you build community you have people in your corner you make people a little less intimidating by discovering that they're like super amazing human beings behind their like social media profile picture I think that's just so helpful as an ultra runner to just know that people um love doing the same thing that you love doing they're going through the same things they love to talk about it and everyone is so lovely and welcoming and excited about everything so like number one tip is talk to people be like I'm an introvert myself but I I like reaching out to people and say hi and that's the one good thing about social media you can text anyone just say hi this is me I'd love to grab around sometime and it's just helpful and so like and training too training is so much more fun if you have friends to do it with I was so fortunate that I got to spend so many miles last year with Nicole uh, with my uh, sister-in-law, Carrie, like it's just lovely. So tip number one, build community and make friends. And tip number two is be patient. And that's one that I'm working on too. I'm inherently a very impatient person. But I think especially in this sport, it's so important to be patient, not just like within a single race, like I mean, people say be patient in a race in the first couple of miles so you don't go out too fast and all that. But I, I'm talking more about patience on a like longer term, I guess. Because mm. here it's it's easy to just get wrapped up in things and want to see immediate results and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, what matters is your consistency. It matters that you put in the work. It matters that you have fun doing it. And then the results will come. So patience is big. Like I have to keep telling myself, like I'm 26 years old. I have a good like 15 years left in the sport. Like I do not need to peak right now. <laughs> but yeah, so that's that's my my two tips to become a better ultra runner is build community and be patient and sprinkle on some strides. 
every there you go three tips in there i'm <laughs> glad i gave you multiple because like those are all like so so great i want to touch on the community piece too because actually i think we got connected to this podcast because you i think you like commented on like one of my stories or posts or whatever and i was like oh hey like i was like yeah i'm a fan want to be on the podcast and like here we are so you're living it i love it like it's so cool to see that and i love that you're encouraging people to reach out to others because i agree it can be like almost intimidating to see other people uh and be like oh like they're so much better like they're intimidating but like once you get to know the people it's like they're people and like building that community and building that, you know, uh, atmosphere where everyone's lifting each other up and going out for runs on people is amazing. And I, I really love that second part about patience too. And I lied about that being my last question. Cause I want to ask one follow-up question too, to that real quick. Um, like, I agree with you hundred percent. It's like, so like awesome because you know, you're very early on into your career and like, you have such a big trajectory for you. Um, and so having that patience is like such like a powerful skill set for maybe those who are listening, who maybe they're like in their training, whether they're, they've doing this for years or maybe they're just kind of starting and maybe they don't see the progress, like how, like, and maybe taking it from your own kind of training, if you kind of like do this yourself, how do, how do you kind of like reconcile with yourself to be like, Hey, it's okay. Like, is it more like rewarding yourself on just showing up and getting out there? Like, how do you like apply that patience on the days where it seems like just so hard and tough and like feeling stagnant? I think it's, it's celebrating the little things, mm. uh, the little achievements. It's doing things that are fun. Like, for example, after Havelina for a while, I was just not a feeling like, like I was just like, I don't really want to run a long run right now. Mm. So I didn't. I ran with my dog, who is so fun to run with, pulls me along. I did a bunch of really random like short races I ran a 5k which I haven't done that in years and I think it's just making it fun um when you're having a rough time and not putting too much pressure on yourself but then the other thing that I think is good to I guess just be like remind yourself of is that well not remind yourself of but just like look at the data look at the evidence like people mm. like are performing so well well into their 40s right like even and I mean th that goes the same with someone who is already like in their late 30s or in their late 40s like just like if you and I mean I can speak from experience because I'm I guess 26 years old so I don't know but what I'm saying that if you stay consistent and you keep making it fun and you just keep showing up and you keep celebrating little wins I think you're gonna get out of a rut and you're gonna be successful mm, I, I absolutely love that approach to like focus on the little things and the enjoyment and like even if you're not feeling it so much or like kind of going through like you mentioned before like after Havelina not feeling the run and just finding the enjoyment in the things that you can do I think is great and I also love that perspective like you mentioned it's like because uh, I think it can be easy and uh, I'm, I'm 28 so definitely feel the same way at times where you're just like oh man like I'm not making progress. But then like, you think like, you know, some of the top athletes in the sport, they're 35. I mean, like, even like Scott Trayer, like last year, golden ticket at 41. So like, you know, it's so cool to see, like, when you think you'd be like, oh, okay. Like I'm making progress and everything like that. And then even to your point, looking at the data, right. Because sure. We might have like one bad day or one bad workout, but like, if we look at our Strava and just see like the strides we have made or where it says like, here's your run a year ago. Like there's times where I've clicked on that. And I was like, Whoa, like I can't even believe that even though I had like the crappiest run ever. So I love that perspective. I, I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah. I mean, sometimes you just have to look back. Like sometimes I'm like, Oh, like 10 years ago or not even 10 years ago, like what, like six years ago, I thought 10 miles was insanely long. And here I am lining up to, run six times as long so it's not sometimes you just have to kind of take a step back and look where you're coming from and get more become more confident where you're headed 
So good. It's so, so good. And it's just so awesome to see what you've done over the course of six years. So like, I'm stoked to continue to follow your career and your adventures and your running and even, even your new home in, in Idaho. I'm so stoked to, to see what you'll be up to in the mountains over there and seeing your Stravas and uh, man, seeing you with some of those mountain races for sure. But uh, most importantly, and most uh, recently to have an amazing race at Black King on Saturday. I'm sure I'll see you out there either before, after, or during, like who knows, um, but but you're going to have an awesome race. I'm stoked for you. And Lottie, thanks so much for coming on the Everyday Ultra Podcast. It was so great chatting with you. Thank you so much. I was excited. Yes, absolutely. Well, thanks so much for listening, everyone. Hope you have a great rest of your week. And remember, become a better endurance athlete every day. We'll talk soon. Take care. Thank you so much for listening to the Everyday Ultra Podcast. I appreciate you taking the time to do so. And if you absolutely love the show and want to support us in any ways, there's a few ways that you can do so. The first way is writing us a review on the platform of your choice. Reviews really, really matter and they help us to spread the word a lot more. So if you have the time to do so, would love that as well. Number two, you can join our Patreon community. Patreon helps us to support the show and helps us to grow and invest into new developments and growth. And on top of that, just for about $5 a month, you can get access to monthly calls with me where you can ask me anything on a monthly basis, connect with other members in the Everyday Ultra community, and ultimately get early access episodes without ads as well, which is super, super cool, all for about $5 a month. So that's a great way to support us. And then number three is taking care of our sponsors on here. So as you heard in the beginning of the podcast, uh, we had some sponsors in here. And if you want to invest into their product and uh, go try them out, they're all products that I've tried either in my training and I live by. I don't take any sponsorships from anybody I don't incorporate in my training. So uh, feel free to take advantage of their product and tell them that Joe sent you from Everyday Ultra. Those are three ways to support the podcast, but no matter which way that you choose or if you don't choose a way at all, just know that I really appreciate you for listening in. I know there's tons of podcasts out there and the fact that you're listening to us, that really, really means a lot. All right, everyone, thank you so much for listening. And remember, become a better endurance athlete every day, and we'll see you real soon. Take care.